Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me are my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. Cacao! Oh, all right. I, oh. I gave you an understated cacao because last week when I did the cacao, I scared the crap out of my cat. <laughs> right beside me, and he was super chill. And then I did that, and, and I felt bad about that. So as long as we're doing this, you know, by uh, by Zoom or whatever, um, pro- it's probably going to be a subdued cacao. Well, speaking of scaredy cats, <laughs> um, this week we're talking about the film adaptation of the '80s Broadway classic Cats. Correct. Which is scary itself. You know, that's kind of, I, we'll get into it as we get more into what this is, but I feel like a lot of my, my confusion and it's not, it's not like disgust, but like, just like my brain didn't know how to process. Like it didn't know like how to categorize things when I was watching this. And I don't know how much of it was because of the weird movie adaptation and how much of it was just the source material was fucking bonkers. Well, I, I was going to ask you guys how much did you because you guys are more musical guys than i am how much did you know about cats before this where was you like where did you first encounter it that's sort of oh i i know quite a but, bit about cats uh there was a like a film i don't say adaptation but like a film version of the broadway show right. in like 1998 that i feel like got released in theaters or something but i know i've seen that and I mean, I know a good bit about the the history, so it, it was not unfamiliar to me. I don't know that I anticipated the odd structure of it to work so poorly in film, but I knew that was going to be a concern. See, I didn't know anything about it coming into it. Uh, you know, I knew it was a very device. Like it was, it was the Broadway musical that people who don't like Broadway used to make fun of Broadway musicals. What I was, what I was about to ask though, isn't it also kind of like the Broadway musical for rubes? Like it's, you know, if you're a person who's never watched a Broadway musical, but you watch one, it was probably Cats. Am I, I f- wrong? I feel like of a certain generation, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that's probably true. But once Phantom came out, it was Phantom of the Opera. That's that's what fills that void, I right. feel like. I, I mean, I can go in, if we wanted to talk about it, I could talk a little bit about the history of the show. I would love I, to hear a little bit about this, because I was reading about this, because, again, I was just kind of, I was kind of fascinated about every fa- aspect of this after I finished it. So, uh, in the 70s, Andrew Lloyd Webber came onto the scene, like, super popular because of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, Jesus Christ Superstar, him and uh, Tim Rice. Tim Rice wrote the lyrics. Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote the music. Tim Rice like ended up leaving. I think he went to Disney for a while, worked with Alan Minken on like all the, you know, 90s Disney hits. Hmm. Webber wanted to prove he could write a musical without Tim Rice, except he didn't have a lyricist and he couldn't write lyrics. So what he did was he took an old book of poems by T.S. Eliot called Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats and he wrote music to the poems. The problem with all of that is, and which this is what kind of turned into the show is there's no theme to it. Mm. It's just these like random poems of strange cat characters T.S. Eliot came up with. And so what he decided was he was going to make a musical that didn't really have a plot, but focused more on song and dance. (laughs) So the songs are, you know, pretty, I mean like memory is a, is a pretty classic song and, and uh, pretty technically like impressive. Um, And the, and, everyone is like a you know professional excellent 
ballet artist in it, but there's no plot. There's no rising and falling action. It's just these cats coming up and saying why they should. Oh, I should add in the, in the po in the poetry book, there's no heavy side layer type thing. Like it's present, but it's not, there's no like old Deuteronomy character who's choosing someone for the heavy side layer. That's the mechanism they came up with to make the show work. And uh, that's it. That's all that it is. Well, it's just random people showing up saying, hey, pick me. It's funny because I was, I was waiting for the part of this show where Joseph tries to structure it and talk about the plot because there's, there's no way to do that with this. I can summarize the whole plot for this shit in two sentences, in, in one run-on sentence, which is some cats show up for an hour and a half and introduce themselves. And then at the end, someone floats away yes that's correct that, 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 the, the, the thing about it is i you know I, I dig the criticisms of that story arc in the sense that like agreed with christian there is no like rising or falling action or <laughs> you know like a general like character or narrative thread to follow throughout that like develops but at the same time a lot of the criticism is that there isn't a story there is a story it's just it's just that one thing it's just a lot of characters introducing themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a story. It just there's no rising and falling action to it. Like it's the the whole plot is these cats show up to convince old Deuteronomy that they should be the one to go to the heavy side layer, and that's it. I guess there's kind of a villain, but not even really, you know. But so one of the things I wanted to to because. The thing that threw me about this, not knowing any of the history, that maybe you kind of look into it more, is exactly what you're talking about. When you look at, at like the Wikipedia for it, it's Andrew Lloyd Webber and T.S. Eliot credited as like the lyricist, and I'm like, what? Or the writer? Uh, yeah. And so the the actual the original book, the Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, is apparently kind of like it, it's just kind of like a, this loose, goofy stories about these you know goofy named cats. It's kind of like Doctor Seuss before Doctor Seuss. The Jellicle Cat. Uh, the Jellicle Cat. So yeah, <laughs> but when Andrew Lloyd Webber adapted it, he specifically said it wasn't supposed to be like fun and whimsical. And this is a quote from him that he wanted it to have an undertone of prowling lust. And based <laughs> on this movie, this mission accomplished. Yeah. Well, <laughs> really, I feel like if anybody got their wish from that, it's the Broadway this is show. A very lusty movie. <laughs> The Broadway show is also super horny. I mean, it's, it's not it's not exclusive to the film. Um, yeah, it's 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 a I you know one of the things that's funny about it is he had to take out like a second mortgage to get this thing financed because people were like, dude, this is nuts. This is never going to sell. And then I read somewhere like the return on investment for a lot of people was like thirty five hundred to one. Like it's just an incredibly popular and long-lasting production i think it went like 19 years or something on the west end and like 15 on broadway i mean just insanely popular but man it's definitely a product of its time i was about to say i just have to imagine musicals in general were worse then because i'm not i'm not saying i mean obviously i watched it uh, as a movie and i'm not saying i wouldn't watch this like yeah, as a, as a patron, if I'm if I'm living in New York and going to Broadway, but it's not something I'd like repeat visit or recommend to my friends probably. Well, my uh, my first interactions I can remember ever with cats is, you know, when I was a kid. I'm I know I've told mentioned on here before my 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 grandfather Odell, who was a person I lived in constant fear of, 
and not, you know, like he was going to kick my ass or anything, but just judgment. And, uh, you know, I would watch cartoons and like on, do you guys remember when there used to be a UHF channels? Is that before your all's time? I mean, I know it's a thing. Okay. Well, the UHF channels were kind of like if, if VHF channels were target, then UHF channels were like Ollie's. <laughs> like like it was just a collection of weird garbage so you know but it was where if you wanted to watch like robotech or something that's where it was and you know robotech already was something i had to keep my hand on the remote in case so odell came in because there was like singing crossdressers and that shit but uh i can just remember there was a uh, an ad for a mail away cat soundtrack that you can order and they would show like the cats singing the songs and I remember memory very specifically, but I remember being very terrified anytime that commercial came on that, Oh shit, Odell's going to come in and see me (laughs) watching these singing cats. Like it was very threatening to my, you know, like fucking eight year old world or whatever. So, uh, but it was, it's definitely the first musical I was ever aware. Yeah. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways it may have been the first one I was aware of too, because I feel like, Growing up, I was, uh, you know, five or six in 95, and that was really kind of like coming out of the Cats mania. But this was right. before like Rent and Wicked and like all these, uh, I guess, new generation of Broadway shows like Cats and Phantom. The, the new basic it. Broadway shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Cats and Phantom were like it. They're the right. only, only things I knew of. Um and God, I'm I'm glad I learned there was better stuff out there. But <laughs> I'm also super thankful they made this movie because me too. So we're one day late on this. Uh, this this uh, we were supposed to record on 420, which I felt like would be really appropriate, even though none of us are really drug people. I feel like I would have. I feel like this movie is is designed to be consumed, not entirely sober. It it definitely seemed very hallucinogenic. Like it, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's an odd looking movie. So before we get into the details, a few more production things. Uh, one, Steven Spielberg was supposed to adapt a, like an animated cats movie in the nineties, which dragged on for a good while before it fell through, but he's still a producer on this shit. Uh, even though his production company did not get a final, like a, a viewing copy of this movie before it released to theaters. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's funny because when I saw the Amblin, uh, Amblin logo at the beginning, I was like, oh, well, this is going to be okay. Yeah. Like, Steven Spielberg doesn't do crap. He, you know? <laughs> uh, having said that, I think an animated serial version of this actually would work well. For sure. I, I mean, I think it could. I think it, it would work be. better than this. Fair point. But the most important thing and, and the weirdest thing about this st- up till, I mean, still to me, the weirdest thing about this, it is directed by Tom Hooper, whose previous Oscar winning credits prior to this were the King's Speech, which won Best Picture in whatever year that was, like 2013, 2014, and uh, Les Mis, which was a widely acclaimed musical adaptation bound in kind of like this realistic recorded on set world that got Anne Hathaway at, uh, an Oscar. Uh, and then he did this. And that's just so strange. Yeah, I don't know. He made some curious decisions. Like, for example, the actors don't wear motion capture suits, and that affects the final product. Um, well, so for first choice. So, you know, in the Broadway musical, everyone is in a, they wear a cat suit. Yep. 
and they have cat makeup on and stuff. Uh, and they decided not to go that route first. That was the first decision. All CGI. With practical sets. With, with practical sets. Yes, no motion capture suits. And also, like, not either all the way CGI humanoid cats and also not very obviously human people that look like they're in a cat suit, even if it was CGI. Just kind of this weird nightmarish hybrid. You know, I mean, going into it, like when we first talked about this uh, with this trailer way back when, I, I pretty sure I referred to it as it's too karate maybe. Like, you know, if they would have made an animated movie, it probably would have been fine. If they would have made people in cat suits, it probably would have been fine. But instead they did this weird thing where they did animated people in cat suits. For sure. And, but I'm going to go ahead and take that back. I kind of think this weird fucking wandering sort of druggy narrative how weird it looks kind of works for it. it well, was prob- that, that's kind of what I was curious about is like, how, how long was it jarring for you guys? Because there's definitely a point in the movie for me where I just kind of got used to it. I don't know. I, I couldn't pinpoint the exact moment, but at some point I was like, Oh yeah, this is like what I guess cats look like. Well, I can't tell you the exact moment in the plot. But I can tell you the exact moment where I eased up on it just in my thinking. And it, I'm gonna, it's another thing about myself. I, I like, okay, so, so you know, I, I've played music my whole life. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've played in bands. I wrote songs and stuff like that. So it might be surprising to learn about me that I give zero fucks about the lyrics to music. I do not care about it. Uh, occasionally, if I learn to like a song a lot and I listen to it a lot, I'll find things in the lyrics I, that I like. It's the last thing I listen. So as a, as a consequence of this, any time I've ever tried to watch a musical, I'm completely fucking lost. <laughs> I do not know what the fuck is going on. But this, about halfway through, I came to the realization that, oh, it's not that I don't know what's going on. It's just <laughs> that nothing's going on. Correct. And at that point, I had a good time with it. Yeah, I did not have a good time with this movie. Really? Uh, I, it in like I I absolutely would watch it again because it's such an just an interesting, weird, oddball. There's so many odd choices. Um, it's like just you know a, a, a mine for discussion topics. But as a product, like already, <laughs> already hard to translate Cats the musical to screen. Um, it, you know, when you're in person and you're seeing these elaborate stages and costumes and, and hearing these people belt out these songs, that's one thing. And we already kind of were like, well, this is pretty much crap. But then when you put it like it at home and I'm on my couch and I could easily just put on, you know, Rick and Morty, it becomes way harder to watch. For sure. But you talk about getting used to the cats. I never got used to it because the thing I could never stop noticing was how the faces didn't always like align with the body. That okay, was I, really hard to accept. I have a thing about that also, but first for a second, I'm going to have to talk about Guns N' Roses. So, uh, so uh, okay. Okay. In the early 90s, Soundgarden opened for Guns N' Roses. And they, you know, I read this interview where Chris Cornell said they weren't allowed to bring their own sound man that uh, Guns N' Roses insisted that their sound man do, did it. You did the sound 
and that they would like basically sandbag them. It would they would make them sound shitty beforehand. And, you know, they thought they were imagining it, but they talked to other bands that were opening for Guns N' Roses during the same time. And it was sort of the same way. They were all like, yeah, they make us sound shitty. I bring that up because Taylor Swift is the only person in there whose face looks right on her cat body. <laughs> I, I really believe she had something in her contract that all the other women's faces cannot fit on their cat body particular Jennifer Hudson, which was fucking horrifying. It was very yeah. jarring. Jennifer <laughs> like, Hudson, the best part of the movie, the worst looking cat. Correct. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> they give her the best song and they make her look fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It's so bad. This movie's worse than Transformers. I also think this wor- this movie is worse than Transformers. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'd rather watch Transformers than this movie. Uh, that said... I think I would watch it again because I, I am also baffled by the choices. I kind of want to like, what did I miss? I, yeah. I feel like I didn't miss anything, but I feel like in my heart, I'm like, no, there's got to be something else there. Jay, who are you going better or worse? I, you know what? I'm not using Transformers for my metric for just this one time. I'm using this metric. I think it's better than Lay Mips. Oh, oh, you Jesus suck. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited about saying that. But no, I, I, I had fun with it. I, you know, I, uh, me and Sarah watched it. Uh, you know, she, you know, was the same way as me. She's like, she doesn't think it's great or anything. But at the end of it, we weren't like angry that we had watched it. You know, uh, that's, that's, a good, that's a good point. I was not angry that I watched this movie. There are movies I've watched where I am so upset that I wasted my time. That is not true for this one. It was just so bad. It was baffling. Like, I yes. just don't understand it. And it, it's like you're talking about, I would watch it again just because, am I missing it? Is there more there that I don't Exactly, yeah, yeah. I just don't get it. Um, it. It is an interesting experience. And I honestly would recommend everyone watch it because I want everyone to share this emotion that I have. Well, I, th- I, th- I think I think all of the producers of Cats would also hope that you would do that because For sure. <laughs> this movie costs like three hundred million dollars. A, a fourth off-topic topic uh, thing to ta- to uh, I'm going to use to explain my feelings about this movie. Uh, I read about this thing a while back called Advanced Theory, and basically, Advanced Theory is a way to explain liking shitty albums by artists that you like. So in other words, like if an, if an artist puts out a record that seems shitty, but you know that's not a shitty artist, maybe they've advanced beyond you and you have to catch up. I think there might be something advanced about this movie. I think that the weird fucking, you know, upsetting special effects works with this weird fucking upsetting sexy narrative. I don't, again, I'm not saying that it's great, but I, I don't think this guy made a mistake. I think he did the thing he was trying to do and just people don't like it. This is, that's some truly tinfoil hat Stockholm syndrome ass bullshit that you just threw at us right there. Well, I mean, okay. Well, explain to me why that is, why that is tinfoil. Hat. I, I just, I feel like it's exactly what Christian and I were talking about is like, it's so baffling and so confusing that you're just like, you're, you're desperate to ascribe like purpose to it. Well, cause see, but that's the thing. I'm not because I don't have a horse in this race. I will likely after this weekend, never watch a musical again in my life. So, I mean, you know, I don't really 
have a need to like this and it's more fun to sort of bag on it. But I, I don't know. I just don't think that this was, I mean, I, I'm not trying to say that it was great, but I'm not, I don't necessarily think it's the mess that it, I don't think it's a mistake. I think whatever is up there is what that dude meant for it to be. And if you don't like it or not, that's fine. But I think it is what it is intended to be. We will we'll think, get into some more details about the production of this movie later after I we go through the plot. But go ahead, Christian. About two hours after he, Tom Hooper signed his contract to make this movie, he thought to himself, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> and he did everything he could to get this movie out as quickly as possible. And when people started, you know, bagging on the trailer that dude like disappeared like there was no defense there no hardly, yeah yeah. there was hardly i know they said they like tried to correct it but i don't remember it looking any different than the trailer um i i just feel like everyone was like oh well this was a mistake let's just get this thing out and, and move on with our lives i watched this last night so i didn't have time to look into this but the main person i was wondering about how they dealt with it afterwards it how, how did joseph's boy james Corden deal with this because his job is to make fun of the shit everybody's making fun of. How did he make fun of this thing that he was in and maybe the worst part? I mean, he, he did it at the Oscars. He made I was about to say, he and, uh, he and what's-her-face, Rebel Wilson, trashed it at the Oscars. And I have a legitimate issue with that because the tech team, the digital artists, they worked way harder on that movie than he did or she did because they were awful in it. Right. Uh, they... That I that I was gonna say I said he was the worst part. She's the worst part, but they're the worst part. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can bag on the look all day long. Those people did work hard. I think they were set up to fail, and definitely James Corden did not give them a lot to work with. So, getting into that, uh, you know, along with a pretty illustrious group of names attached to like the creation of this idea and the direction of this movie, there's also a pretty solid cast. Starting prestige-wise, I'd imagine, maybe with Judy Dench and Ian McKellen. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Indeed. Uh, so, well, go ahead. Well, I, I, no, go ahead and list this off, because I, I, I have a question about it, but I'll wait till you list everybody off. Uh, so Judy Dench actually had an attachment to this, this property before. She was originally slated to pay, play in Cats in, like, the 80s, but uh, injured herself before the, the production started. And so I guess this is kind of her like making up for lost time. But old Deuteronomy is apparently traditionally a male role that they gave it to Judy Dench because why wouldn't you give it to Judy Dench? Was she supposed to be Grizabella? Was that what she was? Uh, she was apparently supposed to be Grizabella and Jenny Any, Any Dots. Uh, and we'll get into the names in a minute. So yeah, she's old Deuteronomy. Uh, Ian McKellen is Gus the theater cat. I enjoyed his little bits. You know what? I feel like he committed to whatever this was. His was the most that. Oh, that's just Ian McKellen's face in the middle of this CGI mess. Correct. Oh. Also, Ian McKellen not backing down. If you guys follow him on Twitter, that dude's defending cats left and right. Like he is proud of the product. He will not stand down by it. And you know what? Respect. I, f- I feel. <laughs> you know what? I think he has enough to be proud of with what he's contributed. Uh, I, w- I will say. I think of all the effects, the Judy Dench Deuteronomy effect is real 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 bad yeah well it has the whole thing that i don't quite understand and we can talk more about later that cats can like they wear their fur. yeah we will definitely be talking about this we got jennifer hudson jennifer hudson as grizabella uh idris elba as mccavity which i really thought was like mccafferty but it's like cavity but 
with a Mac in front of it. Rebel Wilson Jason, is you good. Oh, I was gonna say Jason Derulo is Rum Tum Tugger. Rum Tum Tugger. Uh, which that was the only name I knew going into this movie, so I was very surprised he wasn't a bigger part. I mean, He's if a, I if I was a furry, like Mr. Misopheles would be my furry name, but if there's a furry Tinder, Rum Tum Tugger would obviously be my <laughs> my, my Tinder name. <laughs> is it? Is this where furries were born, perhaps? And I'm not trying to bag on furries. Good for them. Do their thing. But, uh, but is this where it came from? It feels like this happened. I have, I have no idea. But if, if not, I mean, I just feel like the last couple of years have been a good time to be a furry. It seems, it seems like media is more directly catering to you. And good on you. Yeah. I just watch Beastars. And that's 100%. 100%. Furries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we don't have to get too deep into it. Because there's not too deep into any of these things. Uh, Rebel Wilson, Jenny, Annie Doss. I don't even know what her character is. She's just like a goofy she's house a cat. She's a lazy cat. Yes. Lazy house cat. Uh, yeah. I, I would say the creepiest effects are the, she, she trains mice and cockroaches in her song and the, the, the like kids faces on mice is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The mice and roaches are, are easily the scariest part of the film. I thought the roach design was going to be worse. It wasn't as bad. I think the worst, the mice design was the worst. They're definitely sad. You're like, oh, this is this seems bad. This I feel for these mice right now. Yeah, uh, Jason Derulo, Rum Tum Tugger. His whole thing is he's like the capricious cat. You know, like he want he wants to be in when he's out. He wants to be out when he's in. Oh man! But it, like that is every single cat. I don't really understand why. Yeah, curious cat. He's any particularly uh, different. Uh, James Corden's whole personality is just that he's fat. <laughs> likes to eat uh yeah I, I don't really i don't know how we got a whole song devoted to that i you know in a, in a movie or a play where uh the, the song premises are are really thin i felt like that was the thinnest yeah it's a weird interpretation of the term alley cat sure uh we got uh uh i'm oh, sorry Is, are there any other major stars that i'm skipping here no uh, Taylor um, Swift. Oh yeah, Taylor Swift's in it for again no reason. I don't understand what her character is. She did you notice she was the only one with boobs? I well, I noticed that like her fur pattern is like designed to accentuate her boobs, and then she does like a little shimmy at some point in her dance. It's all like again. Her contract said sexy cat. Yeah, yeah I I have no idea if Taylor Swift even has boobs in real life, but I know <laughs> that none of the other la- lady cats had boobs and she had boobs sarah pointed that out to me lest you all think i'm a perv. <laughs> uh so we got some other ones there's a tap dancing one called skimble shanks there's the the mischievous ones called rumple teaser and mungo jerry could you imagine if your name was mungo jerry that's a sex thing you, for sure i just don't know why how you why you have to name all these because they all sound like euphemisms for jerking it they absolutely do. Uh, the the other one that I just I wanted to mention because they don't actually name him in the movie, so I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it. It's like Monkustrap. Monkustrap is like the 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 cat that's like the main jellical cat that's kind of guiding our protagonist through the story. Uh, that dude was going like super hard for no reason. Yeah. Like it was like it is contrast to him, like like make the strangest faces and like constantly be twitching and he was really irritating me the whole time. He was that he was every theater kid I've ever met. <laughs> it did seem like he cared a little bit more than everybody else. <laughs> I agree. 
but apparently there was going into this, there was a cat school that was like weeks long that they all had to go to, to like learn how to move like a cat. And uh, it, it was apparently a real nightmare. As was watching this movie. Indeed. <laughs> oh, and I forgot the main character whose name is Victoria uh, was played by a, a real ballerina, which made sense because it looked like it was played by a real ballerina. Yeah, and uh, I think she's pretty good in it. She is pretty good. I think she's pretty, I mean, you know, not a lot. Does she? She's just supposed to be wide-eyed at this new world that's being presented to her. But I uh, mean, Beverly, her job is to react to cats introducing themselves. That's absolutely <laughs> true, which she does. So, you know, good job. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what else to say about this. The clothes thing is bizarre. Just the, the whole concept of the CGI animation is strange. Because as you mentioned, sometimes they wear clothes. Grizabella and Idris Elba have uh, coats on. Uh, and Old Deuteronomy. Uh, at one point, there are naked cats with tennis shoes dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I don't know what to do about it. Well, Sarah also pointed out that all the black cats wore pimp coats, and she thought that might be racist. It is kind of racist. And, I mean, there's definitely also a racist element to, like, the, the wide-eyed, you know, uh, new cat being, like, this perfect white and old McCavity being, like, this all-dark hair-colored cat being the villain. Uh, also, She's, she's a virgin know, cat. And, uh, like, why do they take the coat off Idris Elba? Like, yeah. he's so much stranger without it. Man, Idris, someone's got to talk to this guy's agent. We can, I know it. He deserves so much better. I'm beginning to question if he does, actually, though, because he <laughs> keeps taking these projects, and I can't keep defending him. After Dark Tower and Cats, I don't know, man. But uh, well, you, you, know, you know who I thought about a lot during this? Sean Connery. Why is you know, that? I, okay, you know how everyone kind of bags on Sean Connery because he passed on the Matrix because he didn't understand it? And he passed on Gandalf because he didn't understand it. And he passed on Qui-Gon because he didn't understand it. But these people obviously did not understand what they were getting into. Like, you know, I think it's like an, there's like an element of, of, you know, when you're signing on to one of these green screen movies, you have no idea what it's really going to turn out like. Oh, and, for you know, sure. That's definitely and, a part of it. And somewhere, I hope Sean Connery's saying, see, that's what I was talking about. I could have ended up like this. No, I mean, he missed out on some of the greatest projects of all time. But yes, the fear is valid, uh, certainly here. But again, it's not like this is a new property. You know, like this is something that has existed for almost 40 years now and has not aged well. Um, And for like all intent and purpose, it's essentially the exact same thing as the Sage production. So it's weird to me that people wouldn't have at least a little bit of caution. At least do your homework. You could at least like watch the, the original one. You know, Hugh Jackman turned it down. I do know that. But I don't know. Did they say which part? I would think it's got to be Gus. You think? Yeah. I would have guessed McCavity. Could have been McCavity. I mean, he might have been McCavity just because he didn't want to go back on the chicken breast diet. Because <laughs> I don't think his taste is beyond this. He's been in some really shitty movies. I like Van Helsing. Thank you very much. Oh, let's do an episode on Van Helsing. I wasn't even talking about Van Helsing. I was talking about Swordfish. For a lot of the crap that it gets, I do think the songs are pretty catchy. The lyrics don't make any sense. Like, Jellicles can and Jellicles do is a dumb, repetitive line. Well, I, I, I do want to talk about that because... That's the opening song for the movie, and it's arguably the worst song to me. 
Yeah, it's terrible. I just think the the it's just a catchy melody. I just uh, I I feel like it's got to be uh, if you're going to start are awful. Yeah, but I feel like if you're going to start off a musical, you got to start off on like here's why you're here. Uh and I don't feel like I mean maybe it maybe it is appropriate for what you're about to see, but the the Jellicle, what is it Jellicle songs for Jellicle cats whatever the name Yeah. Is. Yeah. It was definitely the one where I was most like, is somebody watching me? I don't want anyone to know that I'm doing this. For sure. It did bring back specifically good memories for me, fond memories for me, because it's Princess Carolyn's ringtone in BoJack Horseman, but oh. it's still uh, not a good song. I mean, with the heart, the thing that it's hard to compare to because memory is the best song in it. Well, uh, so that's what I wanted to, I mean, definitely uh, as far as like, emotionally compelling performances as much as there is one in this movie and like you know musical performances i think jennifer hudson is head and shoulders above anything else that happens in this movie yeah for sure uh, uh i will say my favorite of the you know random people songs is rum tum tugger that song's catchy but jason derulo's fun <laughs> i fucking hate jason derulo <laughs> he's terrible i'm surprised he did not say his name in it uh i'm sure that was contractually obligated he did <laughs> he did sing several stupidly high notes for no reason so, but yeah, I no, find, go ahead. I find myself in the car, either A going, Jellico can, <laughs> or, or going, Rum Tum Tugger is a curious cat. And Kate will be like, can you stop, please? <laughs> I'm on Kate's side here. I hate it. I, I do. But those two things like get stuck in my head. I, uh, no, I, I, I think uh, Jennifer Hudson does a great job with memory. I think it's a, it's a really good, to me, that's the best song. Um, and the best performance in the movie. Uh, that said, I found out that the, there was one song written for this movie by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Taylor Swift called Beautiful Ghosts, which uh, I don't know if the song is great, but the name Beautiful Ghosts is great, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not a big T-Swift fan, but credit to you. That's, that's a solid title. I don't really have any other strong feelings about this unless you guys do. I'm curious, you know, if, if you do, but... Gosh, it's just the most bizarre thing. It's just it's a very bizarre experience. Uh, you know, if you got however many dollars, like four or five dollars it took me to rent this, I'm not upset that I spent that to watch this. I mean, my, my main thing going into it is if, yeah, if they meant for this to be a serious na- narrative that, you know, one was supposed to understand and, and learn something from, then this is a bad movie. But if they meant for it to just be a wild ride of hallucinogenics i I think it it did what it was intended yeah i mean i what i'm glad this movie will prevent is a run of andrew lloyd webber adaptations yeah i think that's probably for the best i am not a big fan of his so um yeah that is that is good news i do think cats proves that tim rice was the winning part of that combo so everyone should watch it it's just so weird I mean, particularly while you're quarantined, what 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 do you have better going? Yeah, I got it for like a buck fifty on Redbox, so it, it definitely was worth a buck fifty. I paid like five bucks for this shit. I did too. You guys are dumb. And apparently, well, uh, I didn't want to leave my leave my house. I don't want to go to Redbox. Man, I stop at a gas station right by the house, corner store. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to talk about is, and you know, one day. We can only hope that there will be a great making of documentary of, of what the fuck happened with this movie. Right. Uh, because I feel like that is infinitely more interesting than the movie itself. Just because I wanted to know, again, there's hundreds of people involved in this production. I just want to know what everyone was thinking at every stage. 
Yeah, whatever that uh, Seth Rogen movie is to the room, I want a version of that for this movie. Exactly. Right. Uh, so, uh, so the word on the street is, and none of this is confirmed, the, the studio that made this went under, the animation studio that did all the visual effects. Um, oh, wow. But, uh, which apparently happens a lot to visual effects studios when they make big budget things. Like people who made Life of Pi immediately floundered afterwards. But uh, word on the street is they spent like two thirds of the time animating the trailer for this movie um, from the footage that they had. And then like spent the remaining third doing the rest of the movie, uh, which is, you know, part of the reason that the unfinished one, the, the, the one that came out in theaters originally was kind of unfinished. You know, obviously the, the cat faces were off. There's a, a scene where Judy Dench still has her wedding ring on and it's just a regular person hand. It's not even like colored the same as her fur. Uh, wow. There's all kinds of things like that. And then, you know, immediately after it was released, there was uh, news that there was going to be releasing a new visual effects version, which they released two days after it came out, uh, which apparently, you know, they've added the visual uh, effects studio like labored furiously on to fix a bunch of the, the things and smooth out some of the edges. I actually thought like, I mean, they're bizarre, but like, I thought like the cat fur and shit looked pretty good. But uh, so, so the re- the version that we all saw, I think is the corrected version. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But the, uh, the word on the street is that there were several other alterations that happened before it even made it a screen, including the fact that the original, original, design for these cats had buttholes yeah i haven't seen this confirmed this i have not seen this confirmed either but there's a there's a butthole cut of this movie which honest to god makes it a thousand times better i would i would pay at least ten dollars to watch the butthole version i would i would easily pay double (laughs) to watch that cut well i see i've heard that somebody came out from it and said that okay it wasn't actually buttholes there was just a lot of things in the movie that looked like buttholes. So we took out the things that looked like buttholes, which reminds me of yet another off subject thing. Uh, in the nineties, there was a comic called Lobo's back. And on all four issues of the cover was the back of Lobo. And on issue number two, DC had to call the whole thing back and pulpit because the artist Simon Bisley had drawn a dick on his elbow. So when asked about it you know a few months after that it's like what made you draw the dick on his elbow his response was well that wasn't a dick that was an elbow that looks like a dick Uh, my my point being that if there were things in it that looked like buttholes they were still buttholes but on on that note i uh I i also feel like jason derulo exclusively picks projects where afterwards he can use it to talk about his dong yeah. Because another big thing about this is obviously they're they're all real smooth down there. There's no uh, cat genitals either. Uh, but but Jason Derulo was adamant on social media, despite the fact that no one asked him, that they had to to do dramatic rework to the visual effects to to get his enormous dong out of this movie. <laughs> I. I, I was not aware of this person until this phone call. I mean, I'm aware that I just watched a movie with him, but he's apparently some guy, somebody you guys have fully formed opinions on. Yeah, he's a pop artist. I, I yeah. say a pop artist. I don't feel like he's come out with anything in a while, and he's 
pretty annoying. I like, feel like artist is a real strong word. Yeah. Look, I don't like James Carden. I don't watch those stupid carpool karaoke videos. But I do know in the Jason Derulo one, he was super hungover and refused to sing his songs. So he just sat in the car, like, staring out the window while James Corden sang his songs. That should have been at the end of this movie. <laughs> Shit. He's, he's not a great human being. <laughs> Having said that, he has a pretty good voice. Oh, but. I don't. I, uh... He sings some high notes. I, he doesn't sing them well. This is my problem. He really thinks that he does, but he really doesn't. Yeah. Uh, Look, we can finish this up and get on to what we've been watching because what else are we going to talk about? We've already talked about the butthole cut. <laughs> so cats you know uh democratically we've decided it's worse than transformers but i agree with christian i think it's worth a watch yeah it's worth your time no matter how bad it is yeah i i, I don't know if i agreed that it was worse than Transformers. no i said democratically you're the you're uh, the minority oh fair enough yeah you said it was better than les mis so your opinion <laughs> doesn't really matter i know this. you're <laughs> everyone in this could sing Oh, is it Russell Crowe? Is that your problem in Les Mis? I mean, my problem is the whole thing. I just, I, whenever I tried to watch it, it I, I did not enjoy it. But yeah, Ru- Russell Crowe's, you know, and I'm someone, I don't really necessarily like great voices. I'm usually more interesting in, interested in interesting voices. I think they're better at emoting. But Russell Crowe's voice was neither good nor interesting. I can't I've argue people, with that. Uh, I've had people tell me that they think, this is Anne Hathaway's worst performance and that she's easily the worst part of that movie. And it blows my mind. So, Oh, I don't want to get into that. Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> that's been cats guys. Uh, you know, what else are you going to do? Watch it. In the, in the meantime, what have we been watching guys? I'll go first. Um, Let's see, what have I watched? Oh, I finished Sword Art Online 2. And Joseph, you were so right. God, it ends so strong that I found myself being like, oh yeah, I'm a fan of this property. No, you're not. Don't you lie to yourself. I know. I was so like angry with uh, the back half of season one and the first half of season two. But then that back half is so strong. Um, and then I, I, also, I also watched the movie Ordinal Scale, which is okay. It's fine. Um, I really liked that the movie deals with the consequences of SAO, which is something I don't feel like the show does nearly enough. No. I watched What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. The new season or the movie? Uh, No. Yeah. I watched the first season and I caught up on the new season. Okay. Pretty good show. It is Uh, a good show. It's not not always a laugh out loud funny, but I feel like it it just, I don't know, it's charming and, and clever. It's a smart funny though. Like yeah. you don't uh, you may not always laugh out loud, but that's just like intelligent comedy. Like it it's it's really good. Um it's weird. I tried watching it with my wife and she was like, "You like some weird stuff." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, it's strange, but I like it." I love the uh, episode with all the all the, the the vampire council. Yeah, that episode's really great. It's super uh, great. I started Handmaid's Tale and listen, I I think it's a good show. I just don't think it's for me. It just looks uh, like it's going to bum me out. It, look, it, it, go ahead. It Jimmy. is a super bummer. And definitely, if you watch it, don't watch past the first season. Because after the first season, it's a bummer and boring. It, so, already, I am like tend to be kind of skeptical about everything. So, when a person tells me, they're like, oh, it's like real life, but like 10 degrees off, this could happen. I already like ruin things for myself because I'm just like destroying it as I watch it. Mm. Um, but number two, like 
I don't really like, I don't, I'm not a part of this whole, we're in quarantine. Let me watch contagion and 28 days later thing. Like I don't want to watch something where like a virus sets off our whole world into disarray. That's not, I don't want to, I'm living that. I don't want to relive that in my entertainment. So maybe it's just the wrong time for me to watch Handmaid's Tale. But that was, that was a big problem for me. And finally, I watched The Lighthouse. Oh, shit. It's on Amazon Prime. It is, uh, oh, man. Um, you know, it's been talked about on here twice. Zach really liked it. I think he said it was like his favorite movie. One of his favorite year. movies of the year, yeah. Uh, Ian said it was terrible. One of the only movies he walked out of. And I can see both perspectives. <laughs> um, the, especially the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes are like super kind of like art housey. I don't know that I loved it, but gosh, those two dudes are so good in it. If that it it could be like overall the best performances of the year, both Pattinson, uh, his his like n- New England can't really pinpoint where accent is so good, uh, and uh, uh, Willem Dafoe is like an old English English pirate kind of thing. He's also fantastic in it. Um, I would recommend watching it solely for their performances because they're fantastic, but. The rest of the movie is extremely weird. If you've ever wondered what sex with a mermaid looks like, this is the movie for you. I uh, I have not watched it, but everything I've seen from it makes me think I want to remake it with puppets. <laughs> yeah, you know, it would be good with puppets. And you wouldn't really change anything. <laughs> that sounds like a good quarantine uh, project for us. <laughs> uh, that's it. That is all I've watched. Those are good things. Um, I watched... Phantom of the Opera. That's right. It's an all musical episode from Jane. Wow. This is so unusual for you. This is it's very unusual. It popped up on TV, and Sarah's a like a big fan of it. And I was like, it was a good way to break the ice and say, oh, by the way, we've got to watch Cats later this week. So, <laughs> hey, Jay uh, Hugh, did you know it's made by the same guy? I didn't. Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber made both Cats oh, and I did Phantom not. of the Opera. <laughs> I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. But, you know, again, it was something that I was fucking lost during, but Sarah had seen it many times, so she could explain to me. No more. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's that story that, you know, we uh, used to make all the time and we don't make anymore. It's basically, you know, it, it, it just seemed like it was about, uh, you know, an incel with uh, a skin problem who could sing with. And, uh, you know, but, I, you know, I, I thought it was fine. I thought, uh, I liked it. It is not made watching these two movies in one week has not made me decide I'm going to do a deep dive on musicals. I'm not going to lie to you. Andrew Lloyd Webber probably isn't the best way to start here, but you know, I'm I'm sorry that this is, this is your experience so far, but, but here's the thing that I found the most fascinating about this movie is that it came before 300. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Like, like I'm just fascinated. Like usually like all these people who are just in cats, who are just watching cats, they do their big, dumb blockbuster movies so they can do more like actory theory, theater type things like cats. Like, you know, like dating back to Clint Eastwood making uh, Dirty Harry so he could pay, pay to play uh, to make play Misty for me. That's just like a like a, a, a Hollywood cliche. You make an action movie so you can do some real actor shit. Gerard Butler starts with this stuff thing that he's this like real theater actor shit is super good at it 
and uses it to never do it again. That was actually what I was going to ask you because I think it's it's divided between uh, between the remaining phonies here. How did you feel about old Jerry Butler's performance in this? I never would have guessed that guy was a good singer. He does not look like he would be a good singer. He looks like he sings like Russell Crowe. He does. That's fair. I would argue he he's worse than Russell Crowe. Uh, I think he's terrible in that movie. Really? I, yeah. I, again, having no uh, opinion on music, musicals, and maybe just because I was so surprised that it was him, that a person who just, you know, uh, has made, you know, Olympus has fallen three fucking times and <laughs> makes the same disaster movie over and over now, you know, that he used to be able to do that and decided, yeah, I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to coast through on shitty action movies. I, I admire, I admire that he's done that. I'm with you, Hurt. I think he's pretty good in this, and I think he sings pretty well in it, despite the fact that he didn't really have any vocal training before this movie. But yeah, that's that's all I got on it. I, I would go better than Transformers on it. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, those are the two mu- musicals I've watched. On, on, on your note, by the way, I really wish that Idris Elba had gotten James Bond so that he could have immediately followed Cats up with a James Bond movie. <laughs> that, that is that is the better universe that's the universe where this isn't the coronavirus time it's when we're going to watch Idris Elba's whatever Bond <laughs> movie that, that's, that's true but yeah that's all I got I watched Phantom of the Opera that's it. I love it on, on, uh, on Phantom of the Opera note on YouTube you can watch the 25th anniversary of Phantom of the Opera um, which has a, it's, it's a pretty good it's a stage version from the West End um, and like Andrew Lloyd Webber shows up at the end stuff. But in my opinion, it is the superior version of Phantom. I mean, I'm it, sure it is. Andrew Lloyd Webber is alive? He is. Yeah, he's not as old as you think he is. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty old, but yeah, he's not like... He's not like in his mid-90s or something. Yeah. Right. I watched a couple things that I had forgotten about until we started talking about other things. I'm still watching Demon Slayer, almost done with Demon Slayer. It's very bingeable. Uh, you know, if the hype is real, it's a fun show. I recommend it. I watched Dave Chappelle's Sticks and Stones finally because I refuse to watch things when it's popular. And, you know, it's fine. I, uh, I just think he's reached that, the, the, the Jerry, Se- yeah, Jerry Seinfeld stage in his career where he's just too rich to connect with like real people, emotions or problems or whatever. Uh, I don't think it was a, a bad standup. He is a very good storyteller, but I just didn't feel like there was anything particularly like new or insightful or even, you know, not just provocative for provocative sake in it. So it's fine. It's Transformers. I thought we agreed we can't say that it's Transformers. I would give it slightly worse than Transformers if, I, if, you, if, if you push me. In, in their glorious lockdown magnanimity, uh, Sony is releasing four PS4 games for free, which they're still doing if you want them, uh, which is the, the original three Uncharted games and a game called Journey, which I don't know anything about. Uh, so I started playing Uncharted, and it's fun. It's like a platformy. You're it's essentially Indiana Jones the game, but you're Nathan Fillion. It's not technically Nathan Fillion. It's not voiced by Nathan Fillion, but it's Nathan Fillion. Uh, it is a fun game. They're fun game series. I like them. Uh, and I tried watching the first episode of Westworld and I will continue to plow through because I feel like I have to, but they just HBO this shit right up and it just drives me crazy. It was, what do you mean HBO did up? It's just such a strong series in the first season, but they just, you know, like all of the things they, they dial up the cynicism, the violence and the sex and the language 
to make it, I guess, again, more like provocative, more whatever it is. And it's just, it's just boring now. It's, it's the same thing. It's, 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 uh, it's both grim and it's boring. I, um, I, I loved the first season, but I haven't watched seasons two or three yet, but I'm thinking about, you know, trying them out here in the apocalypse. So, uh, I don't yeah, recommend uh, it. I really don't. Really? Yeah. Too bad. I think, I think season one is great and it, it should just stop there, but I'm still probably going to fit it. It's going to take me a while cause I'm not enjoying it so far, but I'm going to continue watching it. Uh, but I think that's it for me. Good All deal. right. Episode 100 next week. Yeah. So somehow I actually technically even had several more than a hundred episodes. We do those where we had been doing news episodes, scuttlebutt episodes every week until there stopped being news. Well, and we lost our newscaster. But uh, yeah, next week is, is our, of, of our full like topic episodes is going to be our hundredth episode, which is kind of incredible. So I don't know if, we'll, if we know what we're going to do yet. I think we're going to figure it out. If you guys have suggestions, uh, please send them in. I know Hurt had one. What was your idea again, Hurt? I, I thought we should do an episode about the hundredth episode of shows. That's shows a that idea. made it to at least a hundred and what their hundredth episode would like. I mean, I think that's a pretty solid idea. That might probably be our default unless we come up with something better. I did want to bring up one of our loyal listeners, Rick. Shout out to Rick. Thanks for listening. Sent me a suggestion about he he uh, saw some YouTube video about all the movies that are set in 2020, which or 2020 or thereabouts. Uh, which is a lot of things that we talk about, like Reign of Fire actually is set in 2020, and Akira and some other things, and he mentioned that it might be fun to talk about some of those. I think it might be fun to talk about whether or not they're worse than our current 2020. (laughs) Uh, We might come back to that at a later date. I knew this was going to run crazy long. (laughs) But yeah, so next week, uh, 100th episode, join us for whatever fun thing we do for that. Well, again, thanks again for listening, guys. Again, I don't know if you'll enjoy it, but check out Cats. (laughs) <laughs> it's worth the watch uh if you want to get in touch with us and tell us what you think about cats the musical the movie or just the animal uh you can reach us at realphonies@gmail.com and also on facebook and twitter at real phonies and on instagram at real underscore phonies thanks to zach evans for art and brian velasquez for our theme oh wait one more thing haha <laughs> i got it right before the theme uh i was just recently back on uh our friends uh zach and luke's podcast broke box office we watched a movie called the stone age in honor of 420 uh and there was very little weed in it and it was a really 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 bad movie Uh, (laughs) but i i suspect that our our talking about the movie and how ridiculously terrible it was is better than actually watching the movie so check that out whenever that comes out Uh, But that's it. Thanks again, Zach Evans and uh, and Brian for our themes, and we'll see you guys next week. Later.